Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I hope all of you are having fantastic Thursday mornings, and you enjoyed the NBA and the NHL playoffs last night. We began with the earliest game on the schedule yesterday, game two between the Pacers and the Cavs. And I got to be honest with you, I don't think there is any doubt based on the first two games that we have seen, the Pacers are better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, maybe that's going to change over the course of the remaining two, three, four, four, and I guess at least three, four, or five games. We know this now uh, series is going to go uh, for a little while, at least, I believe. It would be shocking at this point if either team won the next three straight. And, you know, frankly, if either team was going to win the next three games straight, I think it would be the Indiana Pacers. I mean, LeBron James came out and did everything he could to carry the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think what you saw was, even when he plays a virtually flawless game, the rest of the Cleveland Cavaliers are just not very good. Just not very good at all. I mean, look at this uh, Look at this box score of, of this game, all right? LeBron James shoots 17 for 24, uh, goes 2 for 5 from 3, and posts 46 points. Nobody else on the Cavs has more than 15 and both of those guys, uh, nobody else is in double digits except for Kevin Love, who again shot sub-500 in the series and had an injury to his thumb. It's not broken, but had to sit out for the last few minutes. We'll see how uh, how serious that injury is. And then Kyle Korver came out and hit four out of eight from three, which is not going to happen that often, right? I mean, he had a very good shooting night, and he scored 12 points. Everybody else was not any good. 
And again, the Cavs actually shot somewhat decent from three. They were 11 for 28, and they won by three points. Oladipo, I believe it was, had a wide-open three with 22 seconds left to tie this game. And I think if he had made that shot, there's a very good chance that the Pacers would have found a way to win this series. I mean, a wide-open look. About as good of a three-point look as you can get all season long, and he just missed it. But if I am a Cavs fan right now, I don't know how at all you can be confident about this Cavs team being able to get past, start with the Pacers, and then whoever else they would face in the next round and then the Eastern Conference Finals. I just don't think the Cavs are very good. And I think that LeBron has come to that recognition too because if you looked at the way this went down the stretch, there was nothing surprising about this game other than perhaps the start that the Cavs had when they put some distance between them and the Pacers, and the Pacers were just never able to quite catch up. But going back home to Indianapolis on Friday, uh, playing again on Sunday, LeBron's not going to have three days to get back into playing shape. He's not going to have him. He played 44 minutes in the first game. He played 40 minutes in the second game. That's more minutes than anybody else has played so far in the series. And he had to carry the team this game or else they wouldn't have had a way to win this series. They wouldn't have even still been alive because they would have lost at home 2-0 and been going back to Indianapolis facing the possibility of potentially getting swept. I think worst case scenario, Indiana is going to split at home on Friday and Sunday. I think there's a pretty good chance they win both and they're up 3-1 coming back to Cleveland next week. And that our number one topic on Monday is, uh uh-oh, the Cavs are on the verge of getting eliminated I just I don't think that this would be a surprise at all based on what we have seen through two games. And then you combine it. I know the regular season and the postseason are entirely different in the NBA, but the Pacers were 3-1 and one in the regular season, I believe, as well. Maybe should have won this game. And again, that was even with LeBron doing everything he could possibly do and having a pretty phenomenal game. 17-24 from the field uh, and scoring 46 points. I just don't think that the Cavs have the horses. Now, if you're a Cavs fan, at least you can say, thank God Kevin Love wasn't injured. But to me, uh, that's the best news other than the win that you got in yesterday's game. The other thing about this is, did you see late in that game when Oladipo went by, I believe it was Oladipo, went by LeBron and beat him to the basket for a layup? I don't want to over-exaggerate that moment, but LeBron had no lift to try to challenge that shot. You guys, if you were watching down the stretch, may remember that sequence. Oladipo went right, just went right by LeBron. And if you are used to seeing LeBron explode at the rim, and certainly the Golden State Warriors are, if you remember Game 7, Andre Iguodala never forget it. LeBron had no lift. I don't know if that's a function of the minutes that he's played all season long. I don't know if that was him answering Ty Lue's challenge about how involved he wanted to see LeBron from the get-go. But LeBron didn't have much left at the end of that game. If they could have gotten it into overtime, I don't think LeBron had the horses, had the energy left to be able to play at a high level down the stretch. That's why if you watch some of these late possessions, did you see Hill with like 40 seconds to go? Had the ball, had possession for the Cavs? Never passed it, dribbled, got charged with an offensive foul going to the basket? I thought that was emblematic of the Cavs' offensive uh, situation in general. You've got George Hill, who has scored six points all game, who's been two for three from the field, and he goes 
without even passing the basketball on the final real possession that the Cavs had of this game where they were trying to put it away up three, and he got called for an offensive foul going to the basket. And I'm sitting there watching this live thinking, how in the world can the Cavs' primary offensive weapon inside of a minute to play trying to put away the Indiana Pacers be that they are going to go to George Hill without passing the basketball for that entire possession, and he goes straight to the basket and gets charged for an offensive foul. There's no way that can be your number one option as an offense in that scenario. Just pretty shocking. Uh, in the rest of the games, and I know a lot of you are paying attention to a ton of different series last night. There were a bunch of games on last night. Rockets dominate the Timberwolves. I mean, they dominated the Timberwolves uh, one by 20 points And the most amazing thing about this 20-point win was, one, it was never in doubt. Two, if I had told you coming into this game for the Rockets that James Harden was going to go 2-for-18 from the field, 2-for-18 and 1-for-10 from three-point range, yet the Rockets were still going to, and only scored 12 points, yet the Rockets were going to still win by 20 points, would you have ever believed me? Carl Anthony Towns disappeared five points, two for nine from the field. But to me, that performance, that stat line from James Harden, this series is over. Minnesota, they may win a game back home. This series is effectively over. And I think in general that the way the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets have both started off these playoffs, there is really no hope at all for anybody else in the Western Conference. Now, We may get some good series before all is said and done because the Jazz and the Thunder are now tied at one each, and I think this thing may go six or seven games. That's the other result. The Jazz post a seven-point road win over the Thunder, and so we may get some good drama in other series of uh, the first round and the second round and maybe even the finals in the Eastern Conference, but this entire basketball season is coming down to Warriors versus Rockets based on what we have seen so far. And again, to me, the biggest takeaway from the Cavs and LeBron James is even if, even if they get past the Pacers, which I have significant doubts about right now, I'll poll the crew when we come back from the next break and see whether they agree with me right now. But if I were setting odds on who's going to win this series, I would make the Pacers the favorite. And even though the Pacers lost game two, I'm more convinced that they have an excellent shot to win the series after watching game two than I was after watching game one. Anything can happen in a one-game setting in basketball. To me, game two confirmed that game one was not a fluke, that the Pacers had every bit of the chance and more to have won game two, even with LeBron having to put out his A-plus game. If LeBron doesn't have an A-plus game, then the Cavs have no chance to win that game yesterday. Not even close. Uh, In the NHL, NHL, not a lot of drama it looks like there's going to be in the first round. The Penguins uh, basically put away the Flyers, 5-0. They're up 3-1. That series is effectively over. They'll go back to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh will eliminate the Flyers. The Lightning went on the road, beat New Jersey. They're up 3-1, going back home, likely to eliminate the Devils. The Preds got up 3-0 in the first uh, two periods, and then I went to sleep, and then they almost gave it away. They gave up two late goals. But the Preds get the win over the Avalanche. Incredible goal by Philip Forsberg. If you like watching any kind of goal scoring, he might have the two best goals of the playoffs so far. Just an electric uh, first goal for him where he basically walked the puck in after faking 
his defender out of his skates, and then also doing the same to the goaltender. Just a beautiful goal. Uh, The Preds up 3-1 going back home on Friday. All three of those series, I think, are likely to end uh, in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, in Tampa Bay, and in Nashville. And then uh, the Sharks close out the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Going to be a long off season for Southern California. Both of their hockey teams eliminated, as well as neither uh, the, uh, the Lakers nor the Clippers advancing in the NBA playoffs. So the L.A. area devoid of NHL or NBA interest very early. At least they've got Otani. Hopefully the Dodgers can be entertaining because it's, uh, it's early to have had uh, all the eliminations take place there. So that is what we saw last night. There is so much excitement and energy and fun in this time of year with the NBA and the NHL playoffs all rolling together at the same time. Last night, four, uh, four different NHL games as well as three different NBA games. I was flipping around watching all of them. I think I watched at least portions of all seven of these, uh, of these games, some of them less so. Uh, obviously, some of these hockey games got put away early, but uh, I definitely watched a little bit of uh, of all of these. So uh, we'll also play you this audio coming back from the break. If you weren't watching, um, uh, condolences obviously from this show uh, for uh, for Greg Popovich, his uh, his wife of uh, over four decades uh, uh, dying yesterday, and uh, there was some controversy over the fact that LeBron James was asked about it on the court. We'll play you that audio. Uh, I think most of that controversy has uh, has vanished now. Uh, but we'll still play you that audio of LeBron being asked about uh, Greg Popovich's wife on the court uh, last night. And we will dissect uh, all that is uh, that is out there that we saw last night in the NBA and the NHL. Plus, at some point today, and I'm not sure exactly when, I'm going to go off on uh, on this loser at USA Today who wrote an entire column saying that uh, that NFL cheerleading should no longer be allowed because cheerleading is offensive to women. I swear to God, sometimes the arguments that the sports media makes from the far, far reaches of the left-wing galaxy even stun me, although I predicted this was going to happen. So get your popcorn. At some point, I am going to lobotomize uh, the person who wrote that column for the USA Today. I hope all of you are having fantastic Thursday mornings. Uh, I will be headed up to New York City after the show today. Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz will have the show on Friday, but... If you're an OutKick VIP member, we're going to have a meetup on um, what's tomorrow on tonight in New York City. So if you happen to be listening to this and uh, you're a VIP member in New York City, check it out. We're going to have a meetup tonight for uh, the OutKick crew in New York City. Thanks for all of you hanging out with us here uh, this Thursday morning. We'll break down all these games and more and uh, and see what we think about uh, the Cavs versus the Pacers. Am I wrong now to believe the Pacers are going to win this series? Anybody else uh, agree with me? I'll put up a poll question. Who you got, Pacers or Cavs? I'm curious to see what your reactions are. Go vote in that poll question at Clay Travis. Remember, always download the podcast. Loaded show coming for you. Thank you for waking up early with us. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This is a confident show. Last night, a little bit of a flare up on social media and beyond with uh, the interview postgame with LeBron James. The, the interview began with questions about how the game had gone, how he had played quickly moved to LeBron James's thoughts on the death of Greg Popovich's wife, 
which it appeared when you listened to this audio. Let's just listen to it. I'll play it for you. Uh, this is what happened post game last night during the Cavs Pacers. LeBron, during this game, we got the really devastating news. The Spurs announced that Aaron, Coach Popovich's wife, officially passed away. I know you're close with Pop. Any words or thoughts you'd like to share with him? I mean, I'm a, obviously I'm a huge Pop fan. Uh, I love Pop. Um, that's, a, that's such a tragedy. And, um, you know, my best wishes goes out to, to, to Pop and his family. Uh, I know that's, that's devastating news. And, um, oh, um, it's just a lot. I mean, the NBA family, we all stick together. I know we compete every night. Uh, but something like this happens, it, it puts everything in perspective. So, uh, you know, I send my, I send my, uh, my, my well wishes and my prayers up to the heavens above. I know the man above never makes a mistake, even when you sometimes have to um, ask why. But uh, that's just terrible news. And um, yeah, best of luck to Pop, man, and, and everybody in San Antonio, the whole Spurs family. That's all I can say, Allie. Um, that and it, the way that sounds, it sounded as if Ali LaForce had told LeBron James on the basketball court about the death of Greg Popovich's wife and then immediately expected him on live television to respond to it. And it just seemed awkward coming off of, hey, what about that defense where LeBron's talking about uh, Oladipo being left open for a three? And then she's like, oh, and also. Someone died. What do you think about it? Uh, This happened during the course of the game. But later, LeBron said, and TNT reported, and I actually tweeted a video, which shows Ali LaForce telling LeBron James about the Greg Popovich uh, wife news, asking him if he wanted to comment on it at all. LeBron saying, absolutely. Uh, And so you can watch that video. Now, that turned into a little bit of a flare-up, but I wanted to go ahead and address that in the event that other people out there were still wondering what exactly had happened there. Having said all that, I put up a poll question. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Encourage you to find me there. I try to read uh, my mentions as best I can, keep up with them, um, and uh, and generally generally try to, uh, to, to see what you guys are sending me. You guys do an incredible job of making sure that I don't miss very much uh, out there at all. And the poll question is, with Pacers and Cavs tied at one each and the series headed to Indianapolis now, who you got to win this series? 65% of you early saying the Cavs. I understand that feeling. If you've watched some of Game 1 and Game 2, I don't think there's very many people out there that would be able to argue anything other than the Pacers have been the better team in this series so far. Maybe that's going to change over the course of the next three, four, or five games. But personally, I don't necessarily believe so. I think worst-case scenario, the Pacers are coming out of Indianapolis tied up 2-2, and it wouldn't stun me at all if they won on Friday and Sunday. Jason Martin, what did you think watching this Pacers-Cavs game? Well, I I felt sorry for LeBron uh, because LeBron goes out there in 40 minutes. This is the first time in his career, by the way, he's played all 82 games. Uh, he usually skips a few down the stretch at the end of the season, so he's a little bit more rested up going into the playoffs. Couldn't do that. Played everything this year. 
He's out there forever last night, 46 points, comes out there super aggressive in the first quarter, which is the exact opposite of what happened in game one when he didn't take his first shot until there were about two minutes left in the first quarter, and the Pacers had already kind of set the tone for what that game was going to look like. But I looked at the plus-minus ratings last night for the Cavaliers bench in particular. If you don't know, plus-minus is a per-100 possession stat. Zero is the league average. Plus five means the player is five points better than an average player over those possessions. Minus two is replacement level, and minus five is deemed really bad, according to basketballreference.com. Larry Nance Jr., minus 11. Jeff Green, minus seven. Jose Calderon, minus 11. Jordan Clarkson, minus seven. The only guy on the bench that did anything was Rodney Hood. He was rated as a plus one. So the bench as a whole for the Cavs were a minus 35 last night on the floor. He's actually, LeBron James is actually having to overcome not just guys not giving him anything, but guys actually harming him and harming his team on the court by just how inept they're playing. And then you look on the other side with what Indiana's doing they're playing as a cohesive unit. You may not know all of these names all that well outside of Oladipo and maybe Collison, maybe Miles Turner and Lance Stevenson obviously off the bench, but everybody's doing something for them. If I had to take an entire team, I would take the Pacers. I'm still going to say the Cavaliers win the series because I just think LeBron's going to will them through. But at this point, if Toronto does not win the East... This is a huge failure on their part. I don't care who thinks they're underrated, who thinks they're overrated. They should cruise to the NBA Finals when you look at their roster and what they did during the regular season and what they should be capable of here. I personally felt sorry for LeBron because you can't ask a guy to go out and give you more pretty much than he did last night. He's also not the world's greatest free throw shooter, but he goes 10 of 13 from the stripe as well. I felt bad for him. I don't think the Cavs have a prayer of getting out of the East right now. Yeah, you so you like them to beat the Pacers primarily because of LeBron, but you don't you agree with me that like whoever they play in the next round and or if they were lucky enough to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, this is a fundamentally flawed team. This is a team that does not have the horses to get to uh, any kind of significant run. I don't think so in the playoffs. And and by the way, if they got to the playoffs against the Warriors or the Rockets, I mean got to the NBA Finals, I, I don't even know if they feel keep real sorry for LeBron. Close. Right? I mean, I don't even know if they could keep it remotely close against either of those teams from the West when you look at all the scoring options they would have. And by the way, the amount of additional wear and tear it's going to take on LeBron's body to get there. It's not like last year when the Cavs came out, would they go 16-1 and or 16-0 and or whatever the heck they went to get to the finals, just rolled through everybody. And then when they got to the finals, LeBron still had a lot of energy left. He played 44 minutes, which was the most on the court in game one. Like you said, after playing 82 games during the regular season, he played 40 minutes, which was the most most minutes of anybody on the court in game two. And I think it's significant that he's not going to have three days to get better, right? I mean, in order to be able to play, I think he benefited from having three days off between those games. Now he's got to turn around, travel, play in two days, and then turn around and play again in two days. I think the Pacers are a younger team. I think their legs are going to bounce back faster. Uh, I, I would just, again, I think the Pacers are going to win this series. I think we're going to be doing a live show from Indianapolis somewhere as my uh, apology. I've gone from thinking the Pacers had a 0% chance to win this series to now believing it's more likely than not that the Pacers are going to win this series. What about you guys in L.A.? 
Well, did you notice what was going on at the very beginning of the game, though? I mean, you've spent a good amount of time, Clay, talking about how the NBA sure does not want LeBron ousted in the first round. How about those cheap foul calls on Oladipo at the yeah, start of the game? The two, the two fouls definitely hurt him. Yeah, um, there's no doubt that that changed the ticky tack for sure. The, but I think playing in Indy, uh, Indianapolis, the uh, NBA officials and college officials are as much as they try not to and I'm I bet you guys agree with me the officials in basketball are more impacted by the crowd than the officials or referees in any other sport I don't think it matters that much on an NFL field whether the team is playing at home or on the road in terms of the calls that they make in general I don't think it matters that much in hockey on the ice the calls that are made I certainly don't think in baseball that it matters at all for the umpires on the baseball field the calls that they make in pro sports based on which stadium they're in. I think in the NBA that the officials, even the best officials in the world in the NBA, assuming if you want to give them the credit that they have them for basketball in the NBA, I think they get influenced by the crowd. And yeah, it was. Uh, I have said on this show that I think the Pacers don't need to back their way into this. They don't need to hit a three at the buzzer in Game 7 to win this series. Because I think if it comes down to a 50-50 call and it's LeBron James on one side and the Pacers on the other, I think that LeBron as the superstar is going to get the beneficial treatment. And so if I'm the Pacers, I want to go out in Indianapolis and eliminate any doubt like they did in the first game against the Cavs. It wouldn't have mattered about the officiating when you win by 18. You don't look back on it and say, oh, boy, they really blew that call. That changed the outcome of this game. I think that's what they need to do in Indianapolis for game three and game four. Feed off the energy of their crowd, come out and put the Cavs away, and do what they have done for most of the first two games, be the better basketball team top to bottom. Sorry for cutting you off there, but I definitely noticed they took Oladipo out, and that put the Cavs in position to run away with this. And by the way, the fact that the Cavs couldn't run away with it, even with that out-of-the-gate start, is again evidence to me that I think the Pacers are the better team. I mean, they just couldn't quite catch up. I think if they drain that Oladipo three, which is as wide open as a three as you will see in the playoffs this year to tie a game, uh, if they uh, make that shot, I think the Pacers win game two and are going back home and we're talking about the inevitable or the unbelievable more so than the inevitable. Can LeBron lose in the first round becomes, holy cow, are the Cavs going to get swept? You can talk in L.A. Okay. <laughs> oh, you were on a roll. We were letting you go. Yeah, yeah. So anything else that jumped out at you yeah, about this game? I mean, no, nothing more from that game. You guys covered it pretty well. Obviously, we, before the show started, we were talking a little bit about Carl Anthony Towns and Minnesota. And, of course, uh, one of our bosses, Scott Shapiro, a huge yes. Timberwolves fan. And we were wondering if Cat uh, was going to show up for the second game. And for some reason, man, Carl Anthony Towns, what we saw in the regular season is not translating into the postseason. So Wolves looking like uh, the Toronto Raptors of last year. Same struggles that the Portland Trailblazers seem to be having. We'll see if the Timberwolves can, you know, maybe step up when they get home in, in Minnesota. But that was a horrible showing yesterday. Yeah, look, when James Harden goes 2-for-18 from the field and 1-for-10 from three and you lose by 20 points, the series is over. I'm sure Minnesota will play better in game three and four back home. Uh, most teams, especially if they're young, do. But that series is over. I mean, it's, it might go five. Ain't no way. I don't think it's going to go six. There's no way the Rockets are losing this series. This was the chance for Minnesota to steal one. 
you get the league MVP to go two for 18, one for 10 from the field, score 12 points, and play probably the worst game he's played, James Harden, in months, and you still lose by 20, that thing's pretty much over. Uh, giving you a roadmap of where we're going on the show. Uh, by the way, next hour we are talking to John Morosi, and we'll break down some of the NHL as well as Major League Baseball. That's his wheelhouse going on right now. So we will discuss all of that with him. In hour three, we are going to talk with Chris uh, Denari, Denari. He's the longtime TV play-by-play voice of the Pacers uh, for FS uh, Indiana. And uh, we'll ask him what he thinks about this series. So you can kind of uh, go ahead and uh, and bracket all of that as in terms of what we're doing in hour two and in hour three. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the larger universe of sports. Well, Clay, a quick recap of the NBA playoffs. Cavaliers beat the Pacers 100-97. LeBron James scored the team's first 16 points, finished with 46. They even that series in a game apiece. Jazz over the Thunder in OKC, 102-95. The Thunder's stars, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, 0 for 14 shooting in the fourth quarter. That series tied at one. Rockets top the Timberwolves, 102-82. Houston with a 2-0 series lead. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Sharks beat the Ducks 2-1. San Jose sweeps that series in four games. They'll face Vegas in round number two. Penguins blank the Flyers in Philadelphia, 5-0. Pittsburgh with a 3-1 series lead. Lightning over the Devils in New Jersey, 3-1. Tampa Bay, a 3-1 series lead. And the Predators hold off the Avalanche in Denver, 3-2. Nashville with a 3-1 series lead. This report brought to you by TrueCar. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from TrueCar. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, in baseball, battle of the top two teams in the American League. The Red Sox route the Angels 9-0. Rick Porcello, six shutout innings. He's 4-0. Mitch Moreland, a home run, drove in four. Boston at 15-2 continues the best start in franchise history. Uh, Eddie, while I've got you here, you're a resident hockey expert. Usually the first round of the NHL playoffs is a lot more interesting than it has been so far. Columbus and the uh, Caps has been very good. Washington against the, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Other than that, these first eight series, it seems like seven of them are going to probably go five games or less. Is this a disappointing start to the NHL playoffs to yeah, you? Yeah, it is. Uh, and even, I mean, look, there have been some, like the L.A. Vegas series, I mean, it was a sweep, but every game was a one-goal game, so it's, I mean, it was, it was a closer series than that would indicate. If Toronto can win tonight against Boston, that series has potential to go six or seven because it'll be even at 2-2. But every other series other than Washington, Columbus, as you've mentioned, has been has been pretty uncompetitive, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll see whether that steps up in a different way when we get to uh, the next round of the playoffs. But so far, the NBA has actually looked a little bit more competitive, although a lot of these NBA series, I think, are going to end up four or five games as well. Uh, let's. Uh, I want to go back around the horn, by the way, too, because there's so many games going on. Four NHL, three in the NBA, and I felt like it's easy to get sort of uh, swept into the drama surrounding the Cavs and LeBron James and the Pacers, which is the biggest game of the night, I think, and by the way, that's our poll question with the Pacers and Cavs tied at one series headed to Indianapolis now. Who you got to win the series? Uh, the votes are uh, rolling in. The Cavs, 66% of people out there are saying they still like the Cavs to beat the Pacers, even though this series tied up at one. And the uh, Pacers are going back home on Friday and Sunday. Uh, you were talking uh, off air, Jason Martin, about the uh, the Jazz and the Thunder series and what in particular is a pretty remarkable stat that's not getting a lot of attention coming out of Utah. What you got? Yeah, Justin actually put it out uh, on our chat there. He said basically that Donovan Mitchell last night broke Michael Jordan's record 
for most points by a guard scored in his first two playoff games, which is a pretty impressive stat. And Donovan Mitchell is more impressive by the idea that Oklahoma City knew going into this series he's the only guy wearing a Utah jersey that's going to be able to get his own shot when he wants it so they know how they have to defend him yet he still goes out there and has 28 last night and leads them to a win on the road in Oklahoma City when the matchups almost all favor uh, OKC all the way around however 10 of 25 dude had to take 25 shots to get 28 points last night eight of nine from the free throw line so he definitely had to earn it it wasn't an efficient performance. It was more of an Iverson, more of a Kobe-like line than maybe you would want. But he has to do it. Like, he's got to be that aggressive. He was 0 for 7 from 3. Imagine if he was actually pretty hot from deep. He might have had 40. He might have combined for what we saw what LeBron did last night. Yeah, impressive. What about you guys in L.A.? Uh, sometimes it's you get, like I said, kind of uh, wrapped up in one game even when there's a ton going on. Was there anything else that jumped out to you guys about all the action in the NBA and on the ice in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that uh, Donovan Mitchell got brought up by Coop because he definitely deserves Rookie of the Year, in my opinion. And the way he's playing right now in the playoffs is extra amazing because in Game 1, he hurt his foot. He was probable going into this game where he set this record. So, I mean, Utah, no, nobody, nobody's counting on them to go very deep into the playoffs, Clay, but... You think back to a year ago, would you have thought that, uh, you know, them drafting Donovan Mitchell would pay off like this? No, I mean, look, I I think this is an interesting question about the playoffs in general, particularly in the Western Conference. What are you in the playoffs for? Because obviously if you're in the play, and everybody's like, oh, I'm in the playoffs so my team can win the series and go win the championship. Yeah, I get it. You're not going to do that unless you are the Warriors or the Rockets. And so I think for the Jazz, winning a playoff series with a young team, particularly one being led by a guy like him, would be a nice big step. Now, if they win this series, I don't think it matters, right? I don't think they're going to go out and be able to be intensely competitive with uh, with any of the team, with either the Rockets or the Warriors, right? I think the same thing is true of the Pelicans. But it would be a big deal. Much like in the NFL, I think it's a big deal, even if your team is not able to contend to win the Super Bowl, Winning a playoff game in the NFL is a big deal. I think winning a series for a young team in the NBA can be similarly big. Like I said uh, last year, when Marcus Mariota, who's 24, 25 years old, by the way, just announced that both he and Jameis Winston are going to get their fifth-year extensions picked up, going to make over $20 million in year five. It's so hard for young quarterbacks to get to the playoffs and then so hard as well for young quarterbacks to get to the playoffs and win a game, that that is a big step for a young quarterback. I think for a young team in the NBA, winning a series can be a big step to know not only are we good enough to make the playoffs, which is the first goal, the next goal is to get to the playoffs and not just be a bystander, be good enough to win. And so I think that's probably the goal, frankly, of a lot of teams this year in the NBA playoffs, where there's a lot of good young talent, but also a lot of teams that haven't won a series or haven't advanced very far in the playoffs at all. So I think that's worth following. All right, when we come back, I am going to tee off on this column in USA Today arguing that NFL cheerleaders should no longer exist. This really happened. This column was written. Get your popcorn. I am going to lobotomize this writer. Next, I'm Clay Travis, Southgate, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio.
Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? Tax Slayer was highest rated for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want this tax season. Go out and slay it. Max your refund at taxslayer.com. My political beliefs in general, pretty libertarian. I believe that every guy and every girl should be able to do whatever they want from a legal perspective. So long as it's legal right now, I think you should be able to do whatever you want from a consenting adult perspective. That's my perspective. You can disagree with me. You can have different opinions. But I'm not very often out there saying, hey, I don't think you should be able to do this. There is an article uh, out right now uh, on the USA Today website that I knew was eventually going to come out. And I'm going to read several of the sentences from this article. And one of the things before I start with this that drives people crazy is I say that I'm a feminist. People say, what do you mean by that? My position on women's rights and feminism in general is I believe women should be able to do whatever they want to do legally, just like I believe that uh, men can do. And so if women want to be cheerleaders, and by the way, I'm married to a former NFL cheerleader who cheered for the Tennessee Titans, I think they have the right to do that. I, I think that other people shouldn't decide what women can do. And I think oftentimes there is a cord of feminism, if you want to call it that, which is about restricting what women can do because it makes some other women uncomfortable. And I think that is the absolute height of hypocrisy. And so let's start here. Uh, The Houston, this is the opening of this article on USA Today. The Houston Texans aren't even bothering with the pretense. On their website is a photo gallery of the finalists from last weekend's cheerleader tryouts, and visitors are encouraged to vote for their favorites. Are these action shots of the women that highlight their athletic ability or dance skills? Do they include a list of their qualifications? Of course not. Their head shots, sorry, head and chest shots. Close-up ones at that. The bitter to ogle, you know. Is, is it a surprise that cheerleaders would be picked based on their attractiveness? I mean, and why is that wrong? The women know that they're being judged based partly, to a large extent, on what they look like. Why would it be a surprise that people would judge cheerleaders based on how they look? They're basically models. What do we do with models, male and female? We judge them on how they look. And by the way, What do we do at the NFL Combine? We judge guys based on how they look in spandex. It's one big meat market. When you are in a physical business, you are judged based on how you look physically. Guys still make fun of what Tom Brady looks like at the NFL Combine when he came out in his boxer shorts and looked like the dude at your fraternity house who just woke up after a late-night bender uh, uh, where he drank 20 beers. The guy had no muscle definition. People tweeted out every time that Tom Brady wins a major football game, look at this guy. And it's not uncommon. Look at what's happening with Sports Illustrated this week. Saquon Barkley's on the cover. Ripped as all get out, saying that he deserves to be the overall number one pick. If he were a fat dude, if he looked like Jerome Bettis, you think they'd have him on the cover of that magazine shirtless, saying he deserved to be the number one overall pick? People look at Saquon Barkley without his shirt on and they say, damn, this dude is a beast. Just like they look at women in tight spandex and think, damn, these girls are put together. 
just like they look at every freaking superhero in every movie when they're ripped all to shreds. You know what little boys want to be? I got three of them. They want to be Batman. They want to be Spider-Man. They might want to be the Black Panther. You know why? Because those dudes are ripped. They wear skin-tight outfits. They got big pecs. They got abs. They got big biceps. Little boys want to have big muscles. And they look up to guys who have big muscles. There's not much difference between a superhero and a cheerleader. Both of them have freakish bodies. Uh, Continuing. Uh, Is it any wonder the underlying premise of NFL cheerleaders is degrading, presenting women as nothing more than objects to be leered at, with skimpy, suggestive outfits as their uniform. Their only purpose is to titillate. Interesting use of the word there. Uh, It's always been an appalling message to send. And in this Me Too era, there's no longer any place for it. Cheerleaders need to go. NBA dance squads and NHL ice girls while we're at it too. So you want to take away the ability of women who want to make the choice to work as NBA dance squad members, to work as NHL ice girls, or to work as NFL cheerleaders and make money. Now, maybe they should make more money. That's certainly something that can be discussed. But you want to make a decision about what jobs women are able to have? And that's what this woman who is writing this column is doing. How fair is it for one woman to sit and say to other women, you shouldn't be able to have those jobs. I think you should be banned. Do you know who makes that argument? Middle Eastern countries. Middle Eastern countries, which give women no freedom, make the argument what jobs women can and cannot have. In America, the very foundation of feminism is that you can choose to do any legal job as a woman that a man could do. It always is fascinating to me when we have women like this lecture other women about what they can and can't do. This, to me, represents what other women should be furious about. I'm going to open up the phone lines. I'd like to hear from just women as we start hour two. 877-996-6369. Should one woman be telling another woman that she shouldn't have the opportunity to choose to be a cheerleader anywhere in pro sports? Is that right? Call me. Let me know. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote if you're just waking up. Poll question for the day up on Twitter is, having watched Game 2 now and with the series tied at one apiece, who do you think is going to win the series between the Cavs and the Pacers at the top of my Twitter feed at Clay Travis? You can go find it there. The Cavs right now, with thousands of you rolling in and voting here in the first hour, getting 68% of the vote. Not really surprised, because I think people's natural reaction is to pick LeBron James's team. But I think that's a function of what people are uh, used to LeBron doing as opposed to actually watching Game 1 and Game 2, where the Pacers have been better. The Rockets are going to eliminate the Timberwolves, not a lot of doubt there, but when James Harden goes 2 for 18, 1 for 10 from the field, scores only 12 points and you still lose by 20, yeah, that series is over. The Timberwolves are going to probably get swept. Maybe they win one game at home. Regardless, that series is over. Um, I, I think you look at uh, at the Oklahoma City Thunder, Going up against the Utah Jazz is a series that can go six or seven games. I think certainly we could think that about the 76ers and the Heat. And we'll see whether the Portland Trailblazers can bounce back and get a win 
on the road in New Orleans. Otherwise, I think we're headed towards what we expected before the season uh, started, certainly in the Western Conference, which is the Warriors rolling right into the Western Conference Finals, going up against the Houston Rockets. Whoever wins that series, I believe, will win the NBA title. The uh, NHL playoffs. The NHL playoffs have so far not been that exciting. If you take away the Caps against the Blue Jackets, Washington against Columbus, which is right now a 2-1 lead for the Blue Jackets, and every road team has won those series. It looks like we're headed for a lot of four- or five-game series in the first round of the NHL. Maybe only one 2-2 series, maybe none. We'll see what happens tonight in that Caps-Blue Jackets game, but not a lot of excitement so far in the early rounds of the NHL playoffs in terms of series going six or seven games. I just on this column that you knew was coming, right? I mean, you knew it was going to come eventually that somebody would argue cheerleaders are unacceptable, they're sexist, they shouldn't exist in the NHL, they shouldn't exist in the NFL, they shouldn't exist in the NBA. And so it's happened, this lady at uh, at the USA Today who makes a living writing columns that nobody agrees with, this woman has been telling other women what they should or should not be able to do. I'm throwing out the phone line right now, and I'm saying I only want women to call. What is your opinion of this column? My position on this is men never write columns saying that men can't do something that's legal. Can you think of a column that a man has written where he's saying no men should be able to do this? Something that's illegal. I can't remember it as a profession, as something that you make money doing. Can any of you guys think of this? I'm going to go to L.A. in the event Jason Martin is going to uh, grab the calls, 877-996-6369. Women, your calls. You're the only people I'm going to take calls from here. And if you don't call, I won't take calls. Rarely do this, but every now and then I say women only. All the women out there listening on OutKick, I'd like to get your opinions. It's your opportunity to weigh in exclusively because I think this is a women-related question more than it's a man-related question, 877-996-6369. But in L.A., Can you guys remember any guy ever saying to another guy, you shouldn't be able to make a living doing this? Like, I don't even think this idea exists in male thought where, like, okay, you decide that you don't like somebody making a living doing something, but I can't. Can you ever remember even hearing this? Like, you can say, oh, uh, I think you're an idiot if you take X job. Or like, man, you should do something else with your life. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying you should not be able to make money doing this. Can you ever remember hearing that about a guy in any profession in any walk of life? No. <laughs> right, right? I no. mean, like even the idea, maybe I'm missing it. I mean, you could certainly tweet me if you've ever thought about this. But I don't even think the concept of one man telling another man what legal job he can or can't do even exists in male interaction in any way. Only women write these kind of columns saying, oh, no other woman should be doing this. And to me, that is sexist. I understand if you're saying, like, I don't think this should be legal, right? If you decided you just hate, uh, I don't know, you just hate pornographic movies. And you're like, I don't think that pornographic movies should be legal in this country and nobody should be able to be a porn star. Okay, I mean, I, I don't agree with you. Uh, because again, I agree. I believe that uh, that that you should be able to make a living doing all sorts of things, right? I, I tend to be a libertarian in these sense, but I can't even think of a thing that a guy would argue about another. Maybe the only thing I can even think of is age restrictions. Oh, you shouldn't be able to go pro at 18 years old. 
Like, maybe that's a little bit of a restriction. It's not like anybody's out there saying, hey, you shouldn't be able to do... Like, I can't even conceptualize of a man writing a column directed to other men about something like this. That, like, I don't even believe that a man could write a column saying that cheerleaders shouldn't exist because I think that would be even more sexist. Like, but women have this idea that they can lecture other women about what a behavior is appropriate and what behavior is inappropriate and what is sexist and what... Like, all these things, to me... I I, I, always, I really do call myself a feminist, and the reason why I say that is because I believe that a woman should be able to take any job that she wants, and just the same way that I believe a man should take any job that he wants. And one of the things that people get that triggered about who don't like me is I try to treat everybody the exact same on this show, right? I mean, I mean this legitimately. If uh, regardless of what your race, your gender, your ethnicity, your religion, where you were born, what your parents did, I try to. You may not like the way I treat everybody, but I try to treat everybody in the world of sports and beyond the exact same. And behind, and so the, I do and that behind the, the scenes, yeah, and, right. I mean, like I don't. You yell at all of us equally. Berate you all the time, like <laughs> you, you cry yourself to sleep at night. But even, I treat it, everybody the same. It's even more of a head scratcher that she would write this when the Rams just hired two male cheerleading dancers. We talked about this on the show here just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and look, when my wife was a Titans cheerleader, the Titans, when they initially were in the first, I don't know, six or seven years that they were in Nashville, they had male cheerleaders too, and they would do some stunts, and then they eventually phased out the male cheerleaders. Right. But I actually the got invited. The ones here are actually dancing now. Yeah, right. I actually got invited to be the uh, what the keynote, keynote uh, which is pretty funny in and of itself, at the NFL Cheerleader Alumni Reunion event, which is going on here in Nashville because my wife's an NFL Cheerleader alum. And so, I don't know, there are hundreds of former NFL cheerleaders that are coming in and they want me to speak, which is an irony now that I'm talking about this. But I am just blown away by the idea that this could even exist. Like, look, I think you have the right to share any opinion that you want, right? I'm a First Amendment absolutist. But a lot of times when I read opinions, I think, okay, how would this opinion be taken if somebody else did it? And I don't know. This seems to be a trend where women write columns directed, I think, primarily at other women about what women should be able to do. And I just can't think. Justin Cooper, can you think of it? Can anybody out there think of a man writing a column uh, or making an argument that another man should not have a job, make money to do something that they are choosing to do? I, I Like, the idea is difficult for me to even conceptualize because I don't think men even think in that same way. Can you even contemplate on this? Like, if we flip the sex here, can you ever think of a man saying, this job shouldn't exist and men shouldn't be able to do it? No, not really. But I think what this uh, particular writer is doing, and a lot of other people also tend to do, is they automatically assume that everybody in you know the given profession, in this case the cheerleading, feels, I guess, victimized, which obviously is not the case, but I think that that's where they're coming from with these types of articles. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's the patriarchy. That is, that is basically somebody saying, I can make better decisions for you and your life than you can. Remember back in the day, there's a great line that I think has become kind of uh, iconic since then. It's Charlotte on uh, Sex and the City, and yes, I watched all the Sex and the Cities back in the day. Uh, and she she says over and over again in one episode, I choose my choice. And, and it's like a, it's being played for comedic effect. But it's the idea that women have agency and that women can make decisions about big, uh, important life moments without needing men to be involved in them. And I don't remember exactly what her decision was. I think it was about what job to take or something like that. 
But this idea that a woman shouldn't be able to make her own decision about whether she wants to be a cheerleader or not, whether she wants to be uh, subjected to, if you want to use the word subjected, wearing uh, small clothing and standing on the sideline getting attention for that. Like, you should be able to make that decision whether or not to do it. That is the height of being a feminist is believing that women have the right to make their own choices and not taking away the right of them to make the choices. We didn't get any women's calls. I'm disappointed. I'm sad. No women took the agency to call, but I don't want to take any more calls right now, so I'm not going to, if the phone's ringing, we're not going to take any, because I'm going to go to John Morosi. We'll circle back around to this. Maybe I'll see if any women want to call in an hour three about this. Also, though, I'm curious, can anybody think, somebody said, oh, well, people are trying to ban football. Uh, That doesn't really strike me as, I mean, first of all, there's not very many people trying to ban football because of health reasons, and that's not being directed at men specifically who play football. It's just that the best people play football. I'm sure if women played football, they would be saying, oh, women shouldn't be able to play football either. So I don't, I don't see that as a, any kind of analogous situation at all. And I also don't think there are very many people out there arguing, oh, you know what, football shouldn't exist anymore. I think there are a lot of people out there saying, hey, we need to make football healthier, all those things. I don't think that they're like what percentage of Americans right now believe that football should be banned, like that's a bad argument. I don't I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, I'll check Twitter because sometimes you guys have good answers for this question on there. Can you think of a man arguing that another man should not be able to have a job that he makes money in? I honestly, I, I can't think, like there's no similar uh, articles that are ever written. Women try to police the opinion, the opinions and decisions of other women as a sex much more than men try to police the opinions and decisions of other men. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that, to me, is a form of sexism that is being foisted upon women by other women. It's it's really pretty fascinating. Uh, up next, John Morosi. We're going to talk about the NHL. We'll talk about Major League Baseball a little bit. He joins us every single Thursday in Hour 2. Live from Ann Arbor, Michigan, we will touch base with him. Maybe also ask him about these Jim Harbaugh threats that we talked a little bit about yesterday that came in on social media from a former player. All that and more still to come. I'm Clay Travis, Southgate, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing. With terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice, True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Scheduled to be joined by John Morosi here momentarily. Uh, but uh, Jason Martin, you're pointing out that we have destroyed, I guess it's Nancy Armour and Christine Brennan, two women who don't write very interestingly or very smartly at the USA Today and frequently have some of the dumbest opinions of any columnist in America. Yeah, this is not the first I, I, time when we were. Go I ahead. know I'm blocked by both these women on Twitter because not for like attacking them personally, although I just did say they're awful at their jobs, but they are um, for their awfulness of their opinions, and uh, and they've done like they they regularly write these awful columns at USA Today uh, that deserve to be fought back. And this is one of those interesting questions. I put this up as a poll question yesterday. Sometimes I wonder. Am I giving more oxygen to stupid opinions by discussing them in any way? Or should I discuss the stupid opinion and tell you why I disagree with it? And that's probably something a lot of people think about in this day and age in social media. Certainly, 
uh, my footprint is is larger because of what I do for a living. But I think a lot of you out there probably have had this debate as well in your own lives. Like, do I want to acknowledge the stupidity of this opinion and attack it, or do I just want to ignore it and decide that it's not a story worthy of my dis- worthy of my interest? Right. And I think a lot of people have that decision. Uh, and have to make that decision in general. And that, when I saw this story come across, the first thing I thought is, does it make sense to actually address the stupidity of this argument, or am I giving it more attention than it would otherwise uh, otherwise get? And, and I think it's a great question. Yeah, it's a tough question, because you are giving it oxygen, and no one knows this woman's name unless we talk about what it is that she's written about. I had never heard of her. Uh, I know she's a longtime sports writer. She'd worked in Chicago, and she'd done a lot of things in her career, uh, actually outside of sports as well. But I'd never heard of her until we were on Radio Row, not this year at the Super Bowl, but last year at the Super Bowl. And I looked up this article to double-check because the name stood out as soon as I looked at the cheerleader column. And her article, just the first paragraph and a half, says, Tom Brady no longer gets a pass on his friendship with Donald Trump. Not after this weekend when the country boiled over in rage and indignation at Trump's decision to turn America's back on refugees. It's only now, when he's facing questions and criticism, that he thinks the friendship should be off limits, but it doesn't work that way. Brady might not agree with Trump's views or his policies, but in refusing to publicly disavow Trump's actions, Brady is giving tacit endorsement to both Trump and the chaos he has created. Then then she writes, regardless of whether he was duped into being a prop and it goes on from there yeah I mean look I mean and that was at the Super Bowl down in Houston yes and I think I I just destroyed that into the entire premise of that article um and to me th- th- this is just like I do think it's an interesting question um to what extent do you legitimize an opinion by discussing it right because I, this is something that the politicians think about all the time if you if you pay attention to politics at all the the way to know that a race is going to be competitive is when somebody, especially if the, the the person who's in office, starts to attack the challenger by name. That's when they've seen enough polling to know, wait a minute, this person could win. Up until that point, the idea is in politics, you are giving too much credence to your challenger if you use their name. And so I think a little bit about that when I make decisions about what opinions to respond to and uh, and what... Uh, what issues to uh, to contemplate in general because and, and I, I asked you guys this question on Twitter and I put up a poll question about it yesterday when I saw this article because I guarantee you given the audience that I have and Outkick has I bet I sent more people to the USA Today website than anybody else commenting on this article in general so the the, the downside of, of a stupid opinion like this and if you're just waking up what we're talking about is this opinion about whether or not women should be allowed to be cheerleaders. A USA Today sports national columnist has argued that women should be banned from cheerleading in the NBA, in the NHL, and in the NFL. That basically cheerleaders should be eliminated because they exist because they're good-looking and they have to stay in shape and they wear not very many clothes. And that is now unacceptable. And the question that I have spiraled it into is, I, I think, an intriguing one. One My argument is the reason that I believe that I would qualify as a feminist, and and I mean this not even in a joking fashion, uh, although it is funny because it drives people who are on the far left wing crazy in this country. I think I'm a feminist because I think women should do whatever profession they want uh, to the fullest of their abilities. The same thing that I think about guys. I don't treat women any different than I do men. 
Um, and I, frankly, on this show, try to treat everybody the exact same. And I think we live in a society now where you get coddled a lot of times based on what your background is, and that's rare. I think one reason this show is dominating is because a lot of people out there appreciate that. In this era where you have to like tiptoe up to everybody and everything, uh, I have the crazy idea. I think everybody should be treated the exact same. And so whether you're a guy, whether you're a girl, whether you're a transgender, Muslim, feminist, I'm going to treat you the exact same. And when you say something stupid, I'm going to call you out. And I think that the USA Today has been insanely stupid here. And to me, the second most interesting thing about this article is just there is no male equivalent. There is no male equivalent where a man writes a column or an opinion piece arguing that another man shouldn't be able to make a living doing something of his choice. Nobody's out there like, hey, men, the, you know, the thunder down under shouldn't exist in, in, um, in, uh, in Las Vegas because it's degrading to men to objectify their bodies. People are like, whatever, do whatever you want, make that money. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I just, the guys are, are uh, ultimate capitalists, I think, in that respect. Just go out and do whatever you want to make as much money as you can. Women oftentimes try to police the behavior of other women and say what is acceptable and what is unacceptable, which to me is sexist. And I, I, I think this is something that, by the way, I, I've always said, that if you look, there's a lot of talk about you know where somebody lies on the political spectrum. You know, we have the far left, we have the far right, we have the reasonable people in the middle, right? I think the political spectrum is actually more, and it's a line, right? I think the political spectrum is actually more of a circle, and I think the far left and the far right actually end up sometimes making the same arguments. In other words. If you are Nancy Armour and you are writing this column about what women can and can't do and the fact that they shouldn't have uh, their boobs uh, featured on pictures and calendars and they shouldn't have their long legs and their, their, their butts and this tight bikinis for photo shoots and everything else, that's the same argument that people in fundamentalist countries in the Middle East would make. It's the exact same argument. It's inappropriate for women to make a living posing in bikinis. You're making the same argument that a regressive Iranian zealot would make when you are saying, no, no, women shouldn't be able to make livings and make money as cheerleaders or ice girls or as, um, as NBA dancers. That's the exact same argument they would make in the Middle East. A country where, for instance, Saudi Arabia just allowed women to drive cars. Your They're argument is right so now. regressive. What's that? WWE right now, they're about to go run this greatest Royal Rumble show over in Saudi Arabia, and it's starting to actually get picked up. It's something that's bothered me since they first announced it. No women are allowed on that show. They're not allowed to perform in Saudi Arabia right now, despite the fact that WWE has done more over the last few years to try and advance the cause of women on their shows than ever before. You can't buy a single ticket if you're a woman. You can only come as part of a family. Like, this whole deal, it's so ridiculous to assume that over in Saudi Arabia, but to write these kind of columns about the United States where women are actually free to ply their trade however they feel. And the men will come out in their normal outfits. Yes. It's not like men are going to have to wear shirts in Saudi Arabia to wrestle with the WWE. Um, that's a little bit intriguing. I mean, that, that, that is an interesting decision, right, um, that a lot of companies get into. For instance, China 
restricts the internet in many ways. If you are an American company, do you want to be involved with China and their billion of people, uh, given the fact that they have their own cultural norms when it comes to censorship and the internet? Or do you make the decision, no, we're not going to be involved there because we think the Chinese government fundamentally uh, is unfair to the Chinese people? I, I, I think that is a that is a debate that has been going on for for generations and hundreds of years and will continue to go on for a long time. Is it better for the WWE to put their toe into uh, that, that Middle Eastern market if it increases the overall interest level in American sports and commerce, which then leads to a further liberalization in that country? Or is it better to say, hey, we won't do anything here so long as we're not allowed to put on the normal show that we would do because you guys don't allow women to appear uh, dressed in in, in in outfits that we do in our show? I think it's a great question. Uh, I'm going to go back. We're, John Morosi, we might have to reschedule him. We're not sure exactly what happened. I'm going to go back to putting out the phone number because, again, we got some calls late uh, from women who wanted to weigh in, but I was good letting the, uh, them go because I wanted to go to John Morosi. I would actually like to hear from some women here uh, on this argument. Is it troubling to you that a woman would write a column saying that women shouldn't be able to choose to be cheerleaders? and that they shouldn't exist, and that they shouldn't be able to make uh, any money doing this. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. Again, I rarely do this, but every now and then we have a topic, which I think is, I only care about women's opinion here. I, I, I know most men are going to say, yeah, I'm in favor of cheerleaders being able to exist. Uh, so I only want women callers here. But I am curious, because again, to me, one of the fascinating things about the stupidity of this angle and this argument is that there's never a man who argues that another man shouldn't be able to make money doing something legal. Women seem to do this all the time and police each other. Isn't that much more sexist than what I'm saying, which is if it's illegal and a woman wants to do it, do it. 877-996-6369, only female callers. Uh, let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, Clay, in the NBA playoffs, the Cavaliers hold off the Pacers for a 100-97 victory. LeBron James scored the team's first 16 points, finished with 46 points for Cleveland as they even the series at 1-1. Jazz over the Thunder, 102-95. That was in Oklahoma City. OKC stars Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony were 0-14 for 14 shooting in the fourth quarter. That series is tied at 1. Rockets top the Timberwolves, 102-82. Chris Paul led Houston with 27 points as the Rockets have the 2 series lead. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. The Sharks close out the Ducks 2-1 to sweep that series in four games. San Jose will face Vegas in round two. Penguins shut out the Flyers in Philadelphia 5-0. Pittsburgh with a 3-1 series lead. Lightning over the Devils in New Jersey 3-1. Tampa Bay with a 3-1 series lead. And the Predators over the Avalanche in Colorado 3-2. Nashville with a 3-1 series lead. And Clay, it is time for our Geico Play of the day. LeBron dribbles between his legs once, now twice. Step back long to Hey, Kansas. LeBron James has given the Cavaliers an 88-78 lead as LeBron now has 40 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists. WTAM Cavaliers Radio on the call. Again, LeBron James with 46 points. The Cavs needed all of them in their 102-97 win over the Pacers. That was our Geico Play of the Day, Clay. Good stuff, Eddie. Appreciate uh, that. Uh, Open phone lines, 877-996-6369. Women weighing in on the column at USA Today that's saying that cheerleaders shouldn't exist anymore in the NFL, that they shouldn't exist anymore as ice uh, ice girls or ice dancers or whatever you call them in the NHL, and that the dance squad should not exist in the NBA because this woman has decided that they are sexist. 
Um, let me go ahead and uh, bring in Kathy in Portland. Kathy, what's up? What do you think about this? Hello. Uh, I really don't have much of an opinion on cheerleaders, but I understand why she's writing it. Uh, women believe that women ought to help each other and not be objectified. Uh, when I, was I don't understand what that means. Bl- Hold on. I want, to stop, I want to stop you there. Isn't it the right of a woman to decide that if she wants to make money off of being objectified, that that should be her choice? Absolutely, but the woman's trust. Or I think that they need to consider the consequence to other women and the consequence of the culture. Why don't we say That's that? So you think that, uh, you think that women should be able to tell other women what they can and can't do? Because she's no, not arguing they should that... – no, hold on. She's not arguing they should consider the consequences of their actions – She's arguing yeah, they shouldn't arguing, exist. I'm not arguing, sir. I'm not arguing her article. I'm arguing that's how this has happened. When a group has less power than white males, they oh, tell Jesus. Hang up their on her. members. Hang up on her. Look, if you're going to call in and look, go. Maybe I should have left her on. If you are going to come in and go with uh, white male privilege argument, your argument is so dead on arrival that you need to get the F out of the show. There are so many insanely poor white men up early in the morning right now driving to work. Like, where the hell is my white privilege? I'm making $10 an hour. I'm getting up at 4 4 a.m. I'm busting my ass like crazy. I'd love a little bit of this white privilege that I hear so much about, this white male privilege. We've got a bunch of calls coming in, 877-996-6369. It's one thing if you want to argue, hey, women, think about the message that you're sending to other women by being cheerleaders. That's an argument you can make. You're setting us back as a sex. I don't agree with that argument, and I still think it is... A ridiculous argument to make but that's an argument you can make arguing that cheerleading should not exist that these jobs should not exist that I should take money out of your wallet because you don't agree with it as a woman that to me is the height of sexism because you were saying this is a legal job this is something that these women are voluntarily choosing to do and they are making thousands and thousands of dollars doing it across the country and you're saying no 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 they shouldn't be able to do this that's different than arguing oh there are some consequences that we believe reflect poorly upon the sex and by the way cheerleading is not going to change the objectification of women women objectify other women Men objectify other men. We look at people and judge them based on their physical appearance. That's the entire purpose of the fashion industry. That's the entire purpose of the meat market that is the NFL Combine. Guys come out shirtless and get their body fat analyzed. Guys in the leagues across the country have weight requirements in their contracts if they have issues with weight. If you're a fat dude, the team will say, hey, fat dude, we think you play better if you're not a fat dude, and we're going to put into your contract that you have to make weight 
in order to be getting the money owed in your contract. That's a decision that men make. Superhero movies insanely objectify men. Every single superhero, by and large, has an unrealistic body type. There aren't a lot of people who are as ripped as Superman. Thor ain't real life. Not a lot of people who can do what the Black Panther does. That's aspirational. A lot of phone calls rolling in, 877-996-6369. But that's my point in general. This kind of argument is so insanely stupid. You're welcome to make any kind of crazy argument you want on the show. Maybe I should have left that woman on who wanted to talk about white privilege more. Uh, we are taking a bunch of your calls. Should I go to calls right now, Jason Martin? Let's go to uh, let's go here uh, to Denise in L.A. Denise, what's up? Hi. Yeah, it's a really interesting discussion, and I guess the first thing I wanted to say is I agree completely with you about all of your points, especially about. Um, the political continuum really being a circle. I think that the far left and far right tend to be hysterical reflections of each other. It is amazing, that isn't said, it? We don't hear a lot of discussion it, about that. It is, and and I might and I might find you know spritzed cheerleaders um, not to my taste, but that's what the U.S. is about, and I think your market arguments are correct. That said. I'd also like to hear from you about what I think is a deeper issue, which as I, I think that there's a, a cheerleader or a former cheerleader with the New Orleans Saints who recently sued the NFL regarding, I think, fair um, labor practices. And I think the bigger issue, if, if women were sensible at all, they'd be focusing more on uh, the kinds of rules that these cheerleaders yeah, look, um, I think, have I think to that's... submit to. Yeah, I think that's a good good argument. And I think, frankly, you could argue that the cheerleaders deserve more money for what they're doing. Now, there's also, thanks for the call, there's also a markets-based argument here, too, right? The teams would likely respond, we only pay the cheerleaders what we need to pay the cheerleaders. There are hundreds of women who are coming out competing to try to get these jobs. If we only, and, and frankly, it's not like we're making millions of dollars off of the cheerleaders or billions of dollars like they do off of the players, and so they're probably sitting back saying, frankly, um, you know, like we don't have to pay any more than we do because the market has so many people who want to do this for the price that we pay that we feel like we're paying accurately. Now, my response, I think I wrote this recently, is I think every cheerleader should make 20 grand a year, right? It's not a full time job, it's a part time job, but I think every NFL team could afford to pay all the cheerleaders 20 grand a year. And I don't think they would be going to the poorhouse over it, and it might make it a little bit more competitive to get these gigs. I think that's a smart way that they could help out here. And in general, there is a obviously a ton of of interest in these jobs. Uh, all right, we're gonna take uh, we're gonna take your calls. We'll continue. We'll come back uh, and uh, and continue to get to get to you. So everybody who's waiting will get to you. And I don't have the list in front of me right now, but we had a bunch of names. 877-996-6369. You can weigh in on this ridiculous column. Women shouldn't be able to be cheerleaders anymore, according to a writer, a columnist at USA Today Sports. 877-996-6369. I only want female callers. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. 
What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Uh, good point, uh, Jason Martin. Um, on uh, I'm going to take some calls here in uh, in a in a moment. But uh, your point about the WWE, it basically exists because of the male body, right? Like the entirety of wrestling is predicated on what guys look like without their without their shirt on. Yeah, I mean, it's basically superheroes in a different way, and it's an aesthetic business, and unless you are just the most charismatic person anyone has ever seen, you better have a good body or you're not getting on TV. Vince and if McMahon you get fat, was such a f- like they yeah. would be uh, constantly like, hey, you better get you know, stop eating, work out more, take more steroids, whatever you got to do to look ripped by the time you get out in this arena, like you better do it. Yeah, I mean, even right now, like Samoa Joe, who's a pretty big star in WWE, uh, Roman Reigns called him a fat ass on Monday night on Raw. So he kind of became comic relief there. But he's good enough that he's able to overcome that. Vince McMahon is so obsessed with bodybuilding culture that he takes whatever supplements and steroids he needs to keep himself looking the way that he does right now. And he goes to bodybuilding competitions all over the country to try to find his next stars because it's all about the body. I can train you to be a professional wrestler, but I can't necessarily train you to look like however it is that you need to look to make money for WWE the way that they see each other. It is as aesthetic a business as it gets. It's very similar to cheerleading. There's a lot of talent involved, but just as there are a lot of people that are out there that are better singers than Kelly Clarkson or Taylor Swift or anybody else, they don't have that look, so you don't know who they are. Yeah, Kelly Clarkson may be a bad example there. Maybe Carrie Underwood. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, Carrie Underwood (laughs) before the facial problem. uh, Somebody, oh, Jesus. Uh... (laughs) Jesus, I'm going to have to fire you for sexism. Uh, Linda in Indianapolis. What's up, Linda? Hi. Um, I was just calling in because my niece was a uh, Colts cheerleader. Yes. And she worked really hard to become that. Right. I mean, uh, my, she my started point, as. Yeah, my wife was a Titans cheerleader. So, I mean, she was an NFL cheerleader. Um, and uh, I, I just think it's crazy that you would. I mean, and, and again, yes, the, the amount of effort and energy and uh, and commitment it requires to be able to make one of these squads is really impressive. Uh, and also, the amount of time that you're going to spend once you make the team, it's it's an amazing amount of uh, of interest and uh, and talent that you have to have. And I just think it's crazy that they're saying that this woman's saying for USA Today, you can't do this. Well, I do, too. I think that um, everybody should have the right to do what they choose um, within means, of course. There's nothing immoral about being a cheerleader. Um, what do you think, Linda, they, when you hear... In high school? Yeah, when you hear the argument, Linda, that women shouldn't be able to do this because another woman doesn't think you should be able to do that, there's no male equivalent to that. There's no male who says, hey, you shouldn't be able to do this job because I don't like you doing this job because of what it says about our sex. Like, that to me seems like sexism. Oh, she dropped off, actually. I mean, that that's my argument here, is that my argument on this basic level, if you listen to this show regularly is that I believe that men and women should be able to make whatever legal choices they want to make that make them happy. And so if you decide, as a woman, I want to be a cheerleader, I think I will be happier and more fulfilled if I am an NFL cheerleader or an NBA dancer or a NHL ice girl, that's your choice. You have the right to make that choice. I, as a guy, 
don't have the right to tell you, and certainly I don't think a woman would either, no, you can't do that because that makes me uncomfortable. That doesn't exist for men. Let's go to, uh, I said I only wanted male uh, to female callers, but Michael in Texas, he's being sexist and he decided to call anyway. Michael, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Clay? I'm living the dream. Hey, man, I was calling to tell you that I think the objectification of women argument coming from women is coming from insecure women. They're putting their insecurities on the other women. Most of these cheerleaders and dancers, they're very attractive, fit women, and, you know, and men enjoy looking at them. And, and that's what it comes down to. And if a woman is saying, well, I don't like that. I don't want my husband or boyfriend looking at that. So I believe it's, you know, objectifying women. That the lady you had earlier that was screaming, you know, white male privilege. I mean, to be honest, she sounded like an unattractive, fat, unhappy woman. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that, and I'll let y'all get back to it. It's Michael in Texas. I mean, look, there is an argument out there that there doesn't tend to be supermodels arguing that supermodeling shouldn't exist. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't ever seen an incredibly gorgeous, beautiful woman being like, you know what I find objectifying? The Victoria's Secret uh, fashion contest. Maybe they're out there, and I just don't hear them. Seems to me that it is a lot of women who are insecure about themselves arguing that they don't want good-looking women to be able to make a living partly based on their looks. I'm not in that great a shape. You don't see me arguing, hey, you know who makes me really uncomfortable? Triple H when he's 50 years old or whatever the hell he is and he gets in the ring and he has a 0% body fat. I, I, you know, I never hear a guy argue that. I never hear a guy being like, you know what? Wrestling shouldn't exist because these dudes are a lot better looking without their shirts on than I am. I never have heard a guy argue that. Never heard a guy say, you know what? We got to get away from these superheroes having these skin-tight outfits. The Black Panther, Batman, Superman. Look how ripped they are. They got abdominal muscles. They got muscles I ain't ever seen on my own body. Never hear a man saying, hey, I don't like how tight that outfit is. I don't like the fact that uh, that when I watched WrestleMania, none of the men had their nipples covered. They all had big ripped abs and big ripped pectoral muscles. They got back muscles I didn't even know existed. What the hell is a deltoid? They got triceps coming out every different angle. They got muscles. Every- Never hear that guy argue that. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's just some guys are like, yeah, that guy's a lot more ripped than I am. Probably spends a lot more time in the gym. I wish I was that ripped. All right, going to go ahead and continue with my life. Not going to try to argue that because somebody else is better looking than me. They shouldn't be able to make money off of it. I don't know. It's kind of interesting that you never hear the guy side. We objectify too. Everybody wishes they looked like the wrestlers. Every guy who's listening right now wishes he was as ripped as J.J. Watt is. 100% we all do. We're not. But guess what? We deal with it. Surprised some of these women can't deal with it. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage final hour of Thursday. Up next on Outkick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. The unbelievable stretch of amazing opportunities and, uh, and hookups here when it comes to the NBA and the NHL playoffs continue. Uh, last night, three NBA games and four NHL games for those of you waking up across the country. Uh, in the NBA, all of the attention, and we've certainly spent a lot on this show, focused on the Cavs-Pacers game, comes down to Oladipo having a wide-open three with about 25-ish seconds remaining that would have tied this game. 
I thought watching this game, even though the Cavs won, it made me think that the Pacers were going to win the series because I think the Pacers have just been better in the first two games. I know the Cavs won, but it took a virtually perfect game from LeBron James, 17-24 from the field, 12 rebounds, 46 points, uh, and he played 40 minutes more than any other player on the court, and he played more minutes than anybody else on the court on in game one. LeBron came out hot. I think he knew that he needed to carry his team. I just don't think the Cavs are very good. Uh, only two other players in double-digit scoring, Kevin Love, who typically is going to be in double-digit scoring, and then Kyle Korver, who shot four for eight from three and had a really good game. Uh, but for that, everybody else on the Cavs, I mean, five points, two points, five points, two points, two points, six points, uh, and five points. I mean, it is just a uh, it's just a, a, a messy situation for the Cavs right now. They don't have any good answers. Uh, against the Pacers. And I think on Friday and Sunday, the Pacers have a really good chance to win both those games and go back to Cleveland up 3-1. I think worst-case scenario, they will go back tied up at two apiece. So we will see exactly what ends up uh, transpiring in this series. We are going to talk with uh, one of the uh, announcers for the Fox Sports affiliate who does all the local Pacers games in our next segment He will be on with us. We will break down uh, what he thinks about this series so far as we move into games three and games four. Uh, Also, Jazz Thunder. The Jazz go on the road. Donovan Mitchell, uh, the best uh, rookie not named Ben Simmons, uh, goes out and posts a big-time playmaking performance. 102-95, to the Jazz get the win. And then the Rockets. And I'm sorry, Timberwolves fans, but you are officially done. The Rockets are uh, win by 20, even though... James Harden goes 2-for-18 from the field, 1-for-10 from three. The fact that that happened and you still lost for, for by 20, I'm sorry, that series is over. And so uh, that was the NBA last night. In the NHL, there has not been a lot of drama. You know, NHL fans love to sell the idea that anything can happen in the NHL. Uh, lots of upsets can happen. Uh, any, any, any possibility is, uh, is, is, is on the table every single time the puck drops. Well, other than the Caps and the Blue Jackets series, where right now every team on the road has won, the Blue Jackets have won two, the Caps have won one. Game four, I believe, is tonight. Um, That is at 7.30 Eastern. The Blue Jackets trying to uh, get a stranglehold on the series and go up 3-1. Meanwhile, the Caps trying to, uh, to win game four and then feel pretty good. They would reclaim home ice. So that's the best series by far. Otherwise... Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have dominated the Flyers. Uh, they won 5 nothing. They're now up 3-1 going back home to potentially close out this series in Game 5. The Lightning went on the road against the Devils, got an easy win. They now lead the series 3-1 and are going back home with a chance to win. The Preds took down the Avalanche. I stayed up late enough to watch the first and the second period of this uh, hockey match uh, and saw the Preds go up 3 nothing. The Avalanche fight back to 3-2, but Nashville now leads the series 3-1, and you feel pretty good if you're a Preds fan about the odds of the Predators closing this one out in five games on Friday night. And uh, speaking of close it out, the Sharks closed out the Ducks 2-1, to one, meaning that both Anaheim and the LA Kings have lost. The two Southern California hockey teams have uh, have both gotten eliminated in, uh, in 8-0 defeats. They lost, uh, both got swept, and so Southern California is out of the running early in the NHL playoff mix. All of that has been taking place. Those are the seven games that we went through. We have also been reacting to what I think is one of the most ridiculous opinion columns I've seen in a long time. Nancy Armour, 
wrote an opinion column in the USA Today arguing that NFL cheerleaders, that NBA uh, dancers, and that NHL ice girls should no longer exist because they're demeaning to women because men look at these women's bodies and that is unacceptable in her mind. And my position on this is just I'm blown away by it because there's no male equivalent to this. And I say this as a guy who married a former NFL cheerleader, and I've actually been invited to speak, be the keynote speaker, partly because my wife is a NFL alum cheerleader. But they're having a the NHL NFL cheerleaders have an alumni network. You know, hundreds of former NFL cheerleaders. They interact with each other after they quit. My wife was a cheerleader years ago. Doesn't do it now. Obviously, we got three kids. We got a busy lifestyle. She frankly wouldn't have the time to do it. Uh, anymore like she did before we had kids but um, there's a huge network of former NFL cheerleaders women who absolutely loved the opportunity to be cheerleaders and some men uh, because some of these cheerleading squads also had men I've been asked to be the keynote speaker at their gathering that they're having in Nashville this year they have a yearly get together several hundred cheerleaders get together and uh, and they have like kind of a party as alumni and uh, and they, they do a charitable good works uh, uh, behavior. And I can speak to this, you know, not obviously on my wife's perspective, but from the perspective of a guy who was married to an NFL cheerleader, there is a, so much community work that cheerleading uh, does. All right, Let, let's take away the on-the-field performances a couple of times during the course of games and wearing the cheerleading outfits and everything else. These women go all over every community that they are in and do all sorts of charitable good work on behalf of the football team. In fact, I am quite confident that if the football team uh, was calling in right now to talk about the 26 NFL football teams, why they have cheerleaders, they would say that's the reason. Because cheerleaders are great for their business via their community outreach. People respond very favorably to them. Not just men, by the way. Kids love cheerleaders. Pretty women who come in and like, you know, I've just seen from what my wife, uh, when she was a cheerleader, the way that young boys and young girls' eyes light up when they see cheerleaders and mascots is a very favorable response. And it's not predicated on sexuality in any way. It's just, man, this is so cool to get to see cheerleaders and to get to see a mascot. For kids, cheerleaders are popular the same reason mascots are popular because they're entertainers. And there are a lot of little girls out there who grow up and would like to be a cheerleader one day. There's nothing wrong with that. And they're not, by the way, professional cheerleaders in that that's their only job. What was amazing to me is the amount of graduate degrees, the amount of high-end success that cheerleaders in general, particularly in the professional ranks, end up having. I mean, I mean, I'm not kidding about this. Tons of women with graduate degrees who decide that they want to be cheerleaders. And so this idea that they're defining themselves entirely based on being a cheerleader is just not true. They do it. It's a cool achievement to have gotten to because it's competitive to become an NFL cheerleader or an NBA dancer or a NHL uh, ring girl. I mean, I'm sure that I know for fact for cheerleading and NBA dancing, it's insanely competitive and girls have to be really good at what they do to do it, but they're not doing it full time. So this idea that you can't be a doctor and a cheerleader, first of all, is sexist. This idea that you couldn't be a lawyer and a cheerleader. I met my wife at Vanderbilt Law School. She's really smart. She's also really hot. Isn't that what you would aspire for somebody to be? Really good looking and really smart? If you were right now a parent and you said, what traits could you have 
for your daughter. I think there's a lot of people out there who'd say, yeah, I'd like her to be really smart. I'd like her to be uh, really good looking. And I'd like her to be really athletic. Right? I mean, that's probably the three things off the, off the top that parents would say about their daughters. Maybe there's less focus on men's physical appearance. What are the top things that you would say as a dad or a mom about your sons? I'd probably say instead of good looking, probably most men would say I'd like him for, to be, for him to be tall. Right? If you could pick three things, like if you're genetic, like setting out like your ideal kids for boys, what would you say? I'd like him to be smart. I'd like him to be athletic and in good shape or good health. I think all that kind of rolls together because, by and large, if you're in good shape, you tend to have good health uh, as well. Obviously, that's very important. And then I think probably the cosmetic thing that most parents would say about their sons is, I'd like him to be tall. I don't think that we're treating the sexes that different there. If you were talking about your daughters, what would you say? I'd like her to be smart. I'd like her to be good looking. That's the cosmetic thing more so than height. I think if you said, would you rather your daughter be really tall or really good looking? Most people would say really good looking. If you, t- if you told them for boys, would you rather your son be really tall or really good looking? I don't know, but probably 50-50 maybe, but I tend to think tall. And by the way, women care about height. Men care about looks. Try to be a guy getting a date if you're 5'4". It hurts you a lot more than being a fat girl does. I'll tell you that right now. Women judge men based on height. My wife wouldn't have dated me if I weren't six foot tall. If I were 5'4", there's no way I would have ever gotten married to her. She's 5'2". I talk about that all the time. I'm like, it's not like you're six feet. If I weren't six foot tall, you wouldn't have dated me. She's like, yeah, you're probably right. Women discriminate against men based on height all the time. Everybody makes cosmetic decisions. And so I just don't see this as remotely controversial that women who want to be cheerleaders should be able to do it. I think it's frankly sexist of this USA Today writer to say that a woman shouldn't be able to have a job that she wants to have. Imagine the reaction if I said, you know what, women shouldn't be able to be sports columnists. People would be like, oh my God, you can't say that. Well, why should she be able to say women can't be cheerleaders? I, I just I think it's ridiculous to say to anybody out there, you can't do a job because of your sex or because of your gender or because of your race. I think that's sexist. I think it'd be racist. I think it would be genderist, whatever you want to call it. These should exist. These jobs should exist. And I think it's insane. And the big point I've been making uh, about this story in general and the fact that USA Today is publishing it is there is no male equivalent to this. No one has been able to point to me in any way a man who has written a column or given his opinion saying other men shouldn't be able to make livings doing this. I don't even think there's a guy out there who would even remotely make that decision. A lot of guys who don't want to make a living as a porn star. You're not going to be like, oh, men shouldn't be able to make a living as a porn star. So why should a woman be able to tell another woman, you can't do this because I don't think you should? This is an example to me of women having more in common, and she thinks she's being incredibly liberal and incredibly forward-thinking as a feminist. She has more in common with a Middle Eastern oppressive regime that doesn't allow a woman to wear anything other than a burqa all day long than she does with modern American society, in my opinion. And by the way, if you want to argue that NFL cheerleaders are underpaid or that they should unionize or that some of the rules that they are subject to in terms of their personal behavior is absurdly ridiculous, I think you could make that argument. 
that's a legitimate argument. I, I wrote it the other day. I said, look, I think that for these part-time jobs, every NFL team could afford to pay these girls $20,000 a year. There are roughly 30 cheerleaders for the teams that have them. If my math is correct, if every one of them made $20,000 a year, make sure I'm right on this, Jason Martin. I think that's $600,000 total. Am I right on that or something? Or is it six? Yes. Okay. Every NFL team could afford to pay $600,000, right? Over the course of the entire year, and their budget would not be impacted in a substantial way. And I don't think very many people would then complain because that's a part-time job and you make $20,000 to do it. And I think the quality of the uh, of the people who are trying to get that gig would remain the same. So I think that's an easy solution if you want to argue that the NFL cheerleading and the NBA dancing and everything else, these girls are not making enough money. All right, I can see that argument. I'm always in favor of talented people making as much money as they can. Now, the, the counterpunch on that would be, I'm sure the teams would come back and say, wait a minute. Why should we pay these girls more than we do when there's a huge demand to be able to get this job now and the market should set the rate by which we pay people for their profession? I can also see that argument. So I, I, I personally would just be like, if I ran a team, I'd be like, okay, we're going to pay every cheerleader $20,000 a year. And that'll be a $600,000 budget item that comes out and we'll try and make that money off charitable appearances. We'll try and make that money back based on uh, based on that kind of situation. I think that probably it's worth $600,000 in community relations to have cheerleaders. But the idea that a woman who's making probably a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year to write about sports should decide that she's going to write her sports column saying that other women should not be able to make a living as NFL cheerleaders make any money as NFL cheerleaders make any money as NBA dancers or NHL ice girls is I think the height of sexism. I, just, I really do. I think my position on men, women, race, gender, ethnicity, everybody should be able to do whatever they want to do in this country under the law. Find a job that makes you happy. And if you want to be a cheerleader, go do it. The idea that they should be banned because this woman making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year writing about sports thinks that they should is to me the height of sexism. That's my opinion. You know me, women's champion, feminist. That's me to a T. Up next, we're going to talk about the Cavs and the Spur- uh, and the Pacers series. What do we think is going to happen as this series returns to Indianapolis? Can the Pacers pull off this upset? About 70% of you are saying you expect the Cavs to win the series. We'll talk with the man who has been calling their games all year long up in Indianapolis and beyond. Does he think the Pacers are going to win this series. It's the NBA series that's getting the most attention in the first round by far. We'll break it down for you next here on Outkick the Coverage. But first, let me tell you, are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter. 
the smartest way to hire. We have tracked down John Morosi. He's in Puerto Rico. Love it down there. Used to live in the Caribbean. Love San Juan. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? Tax Slayer was highest rated for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want this tax season. Go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com. John Morosi, what hotel are you at down in San Juan, and how does the island look from your perspective? Uh, good morning, Clay, and uh, my apologies on, uh, on not getting the time right this morning after the uh, the marathon game that we saw here last night, 16 innings there between the Twins and the Indians. Um, I'm staying over at Isla Verde, over close to the uh, the airport, um, uh, over the Intercontinental. So it's been they've been great to be here. It's been really a, a, a moving week uh, just to see the, the the incredible resiliency of the Puerto Rican people of uh, the island uh, and the message from a lot of them. Clay has been that they, they want those of us on the mainland to know that they're they're back in business and they're ready for us to come back and visit and uh, and really of course there was a bit of a uh, power uh, disruption yesterday but it sounds like a third of the island is back on uh, they expect a, a larger percentage back by the end of the day after the outage yesterday so uh, it was amazing to see the game still go forward last night and uh, and really a great show for two days here in San Juan. Uh, John Morosi down there. I mean, yes. I mean, I love San Juan. We spent a lot of time when we were in the Caribbean there. We've gone back on vacation several times before. If you haven't been to Puerto Rico, my pitch to all of you listening in all 50 states right now, it's an incredible place to go. And for some of the younger guys out there, drinking age, 18. Gambling age, 18. Just saying, it's a good combo. If you like the beach, you like uh, beautiful weather, and uh, some of those casinos are really pretty awesome to spend time in. Um, all right, so uh, you are down there in Puerto Rico right now. What was the uh, atmosphere like uh, for the Puerto Ricans love Major League Baseball and to have these games in the wake of the hurricane? It had to be an incredibly emotional moment, not only uh, that for the, the crowd, but also for many of the players. Right, and, and really, I think, Clay, when we look back on this series, uh, we're going to go back Tuesday night and Francisco Lindor uh, hitting the first uh, home run of, of this series and driving the first runs of this series. And uh, you've got one of the ascendant Puerto Rican stars. Really, I think it's it's Lindor and, and Carlos Correa from Houston who are the, the the new emerging faces of Puerto Rican baseball. Uh, for him to hit that home run in his first game back on the island since he was 14, because he had left uh, to attend a Montverde Academy in Florida uh, for both academic and and baseball reasons, but wanted to challenge himself as he, as a young man, so left home. Uh, and so he leaves home. His mother had not had a chance to watch him play in in Puerto Rico for all those years. And so to come back finally and then deliver that moment, uh, I had the honor to speak with his mother afterward um, on the air on, on FS1. And, and just to see her reaction and her, her glasses, Clay, were still foggy from the tears. It was it was really uh, moving uh, to see it. And uh, just it was it's in a moment. It's a moment that I'll never forget. And it's that roar. The thing about Caribbean baseball is you can hear a crowd, and in this case it's like 18,000, 19,000. It sounds like 50,000 because there's yeah. just a constant din, the drums, the noise, the chants, the songs. Um, it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that you have to experience from a sensory standpoint, uh, I think, to truly appreciate it. And, and uh, it was that way for the last two nights. And there were so many fans that stayed till the very end of last night's game even though it ended uh, well after midnight. Just uh, incredible resiliency and passion from the fans uh, here in San Juan. 
And for anybody out there who wants to help out with the areas that were hit by the hurricane, honestly, at this point, probably the best thing you can do is take a vacation and go back down there and help uh, the the tourism industry, which obviously took a massive hit uh, and a blow from uh, from that hurricane there and in the Virgin Islands and all throughout the Caribbean where those places were afflicted by the hurricane. All right, I, I know you're in Puerto Rico, and I know Major League Baseball is going on, but I want to get your expertise on hockey right now. Uh, because you also are a hockey guy, uh, and I might I sw- switch back for one question o- on Otani here at the end for people who are uh, paying attention to him and still getting used to the Japanese Babe Ruth. What has your takeaway been so far from the playoffs? And let me lead into that with this question in particular. I saw the odds have just come out for most likely teams to win the Stanley Cup right now, uh, and this is updated after last night's games. The Predators are four to one. The Lightning just shy of five to one. The Golden Knights in Vegas, who have already advanced to the second round, uh, just shy of five to one as well. The Penguins uh, six uh, six and a half to one. The uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, nearly seven to one. The Sharks seven to one. The Bruins eight to one. And from there, you've got a competitive Blue Jackets and Capitals series. Nobody else really in the mix at this point. Has your pick changed on what you would anticipate? I think it probably has. Uh, at this point in time, who would your Stanley Cup teams be right now? So uh, I've still got the Preds winning. We, we talked about that before, and, and I, I see no reason to uh, to waffle on that one. Even though I think the games against Colorado have been a bit more competitive than, than maybe uh, some Preds fans would have expected, uh, which to me foreshadows, of course, Nashville's one more win away still from qualifying for the next round. I, I think that Winnipeg Nashville series will probably be the best one of any in the second round, assuming that ends, ends up being what it is. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, they they play a tough game. I, I, I think that they, and they really added Stastny was really good in the in the faceoff circle. That they they just they they play a, such a good comprehensive style. I, I think I really feel Clay that the that the Stanley Cup champion is going to come out of the West. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that uh, Pittsburgh obviously is, is has been there back to back, and, and Tampa, as you mentioned, uh, their stock is is increasing now. I did have uh, Toronto as uh, as my pick coming out of the East. I'm a little little worried about that based on the way they played so far against Boston. That was a big win for them in Game Three, but I, I think Vegas showed. I mean that that, that LA King, LA Kings team that they swept has a lot of postseason veterans on it, and uh, for them to sweep them sends a pretty strong statement that Vegas is not just a cute story. It's a really, really good team. So I think whether it's Vegas, I mean, I'm high on, I like Vegas a lot. I like, uh, I like Winnipeg a lot. And I, of course I, I lo- love Nashville. So I think, I think the Stanley Cup champion this year, Clay is going to come out of the West. I just think we have really, really strong teams in that conference. And uh, so I'll stay with Nashville for now. Uh, and, and I will stay with them as, as long as they're in it. Uh, as my pick, but uh, I think it's going to be really competitive, and, and that and that Winnipeg National Series, if that's how it plays out, is going to be six or seven bruising, great, entertaining hockey games. He's been a phenomenon so far in Major League Baseball. And last question for you about Shohei Otani: How nervous should Angels fans be, and should baseball fans in general be, about what we saw against the Boston Red Sox? Is that more of a harbinger of things to come, or was that an aberration? Uh, I, I think in aberration, I, I think he's still going to be able to have success on the mound. Uh, I, I'm, I am less worried about him as a pitcher than I am as a hitter uh, in really any regard. I think that that is still his his main bailiwick is pitching, and and I think that if if we talk about a year from now, two years from now, if, if there's ever a, a specialization for him, I think it's going to be on the mound. 
Uh, he had a bad night against a really great team. Uh, right now, the Boston Red Sox are the best team in baseball. They, they've got uh, the best record. They are beating everybody. They're, they're taking great swings against everybody. You've got a deep, competent lineup uh, that, that just has a different energy about it than they did in the playoffs last year and really for much of last season when they finished at the bottom of the American League at home runs. They're just, they're just a different team. And it, largely, I think it's Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts has, has gotten going, and he's been the MVP of the league so far. It's, I know it's not yet at the end of April, but he's been the best player in, in the league to this point, in my opinion, uh, at least uh, from an offensive standpoint. So um, I, I think that he just ran into the wrong team on the wrong night, uh, maybe got a little overly amped up, but uh, I, I would say more of an aberration than it is a, a, a cause for enduring concern regarding uh, the young phenomenon of the season. Outstanding stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us early from Puerto Rico down there, and uh, have a, a good, safe trip back. Clay, thanks so much. And again, sorry for getting uh, mixed up on the timing there, my friend. Uh, I've, I've kind of gotten immersed in the uh, in the in the island experience here, so my mistake there. <laughs> no worries at all, my man. That is uh, John Morosi. Go follow him on Twitter at J O N M O R O S I. All right, let's bring in Eddie Garcia, and then on the flip side, we're going to talk to the uh, Indian Indiana Pacers play by play guy. Find out whether or not he believes the Pacers are going to be able to win this series against the Cavs. But first, Eddie Garcia. All right, Clay, let's give you your playoff recap. We start in the NBA where the Cavaliers get by the Pacers 197. LeBron James scored Cleveland's first 16 points of the game, finished with 46 points to help the team even up that series at 1-1. Jazz over the Thunder in Oklahoma City, 102-95. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, the big three for Oklahoma City, 0-14 for shooting in the fourth quarter. That series tied at 1. Rockets over the Timberwolves, 102-82. Houston now with a 2-0 series lead. NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Sharks beat the Ducks 2-1. San Jose sweeps that series, four games, nothing. Penguins over the Flyers, 5-0. Pittsburgh with a 3-1 series lead. Lightning down the Devils, 3-1. Tampa Bay with a 3-1 series advantage. And the Predators get by the Avalanche, 3-2. Nashville with a 3-1 series lead. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, back to the NBA playoffs tonight. The 76ers will be in Miami to take on the Heat. Now their star, Joel Embiid, is dealing with a facial fracture. He wants to get back in the lineup. He tweeted out after a Game 2 loss he was tired of being babied. Some thought maybe that would get him back in the lineup, but reports are now that he is doubtful to play in tonight's game. Good stuff. Uh, I believe now we are going to be joined by uh, Chris Denary. He is the Pacers play-by-play announcer for FS Indiana since 2006, uh, and he's going to be here with us uh, momentarily. He also uh, did uh, the radio voice for the Butler uh, Bulldog basketball team for 17 years, and that uh, ended when he joined uh, the Pacers, and he's been the turn reporter for Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Radio Network. Uh, he is going to be joining us here momentarily to talk about the game and the series. Uh, last night, obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers coming back to tie that series at one game each. Uh, uh, we had a wide-open shot from Oladipo uh, that just uh, rimmed out, frankly. It would have tied the game with 25 seconds left. Uh, Chris, are you surprised this? Thanks for joining us early this morning. Are you surprised that we're tied up? at one game apiece, or did you expect for the Pacers to be able to go into Cleveland and get a win in the first two? I thought the Pacers could get a win in the first two, and you know they very nearly uh, had a chance to uh, get a second win last night, but LeBron James had what LeBron James does, a gargantuan uh, uh, you know, performance. This is a Pacers team with a lot of moxie. They have a lot of confidence. I was in the locker room after the game, and to a man, they firmly believe uh, they can win this series, so um, you know, they have 
they now have to do, uh, you know, what all good teams do, and that's hold serve at home, and it'll start Friday night, uh, tomorrow night at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. How wild do you expect the arena to be? Uh, it, it'll be crazy, uh, Clay, because uh, this has been a team that, you know, most people, not not just nationally, but probably locally, uh, turned off in the summer last year when the trade was initially made. And as the season rolled on, and, and Victor Oladipo has a, a soft spot in the hearts of most Hoosiers because of what he did at Indiana, uh, they got more intrigued and more intrigued, and, and uh, the, our television ratings were way up. Uh, the fan base was energized. Uh, anytime you play against LeBron James, and the Pacers have a history, this will be the fifth playoff series since 2012 that Indiana's had to play against LeBron James. It makes it that much more special and that much more meaningful. So, yeah, it'll, it'll be a crazy environment tomorrow night. Five games left in theory. Somebody's got to win three. Could obviously be only three games. Uh, what are reasonable expectations here coming back Friday, Sunday? If I told you right now, Pacers get a split, do they take it or do they really think they need to win both these games and go back to Cleveland up 3-1? No, I think they, they feel like they need to win both. I think they've proven they can win in Cleveland. Uh, they also won there in the regular season. So they play in Cleveland with no fear. But you don't want to give home court advantage back to LeBron and the Cavaliers. So. I feel like, uh, to a man, that locker room knows that it needs to come out of Indianapolis on Sunday night up 3-1. So we saw one game where the Pacers come out win by 18. It's never really that close, although the the Cavs, I believe, did cut it to 6 or 7, and then the Pacers kind of re-extended that uh, early in the fourth quarter. Last night, the uh, LeBron James comes out and just takes over early, gets him a big lead. What do you expect this game to be played like on Friday night? I mean, it... Can LeBron keep up this pace if he comes out and he has to carry the team? I mean, I think that, to me, is the biggest uh, maybe shock so far is that even when LeBron has another worldly effort, like he did in Game 2 last night, the Pacers almost won that game. So I'm not really sure what the Cavs can do in terms of trying to get all their horses pointed in the right direction, whereas I think the Pacers have a lot of different ways to win a game. I'm not sure that the Cavs have anything other than LeBron James' dominant. Well, and I think the one thing, Clay, is is that the, the first two games have really been played more at the Pacers' pace than the Cavaliers' pace. Uh, the Cavaliers averaged 111 points per game during the regular season and played, you know, played at maybe the 10th fastest pace in the NBA, where the Pacers are pretty content. They can score, but they're going to play a little bit slower. And if you look at the numbers and the way these games have been played, they've been played more at the Pacers' pace. So, you would hope that that would continue. Um, you know, the Pacers' defense has been has been solid since the All Star break. That was one of the issues early in the year. The Pacers were winning games by outscoring teams, but the defense has really turned around. and And I think that's that's where the Pacers want to play the game. They want to play the game in the 90s to the low 100s. They're perfectly comfortable with where these games, I think, scoring wise, have been played. We're talking to Krista Denary. He is uh, with me right now. Uh, he's the uh, Pacers play-by-play announcer for FS Indiana since 2006. And so I'm curious uh, here in general, Chris, when for people out there, you mentioned it, who kind of tuned out on the Indiana Pacers and didn't pay a lot of attention after the Paul George trade, what should they be paying attention to now? Because I think this is the series that's getting the most attention by far so far in the first round of the NBA playoffs. If they're going to be watching on Friday and Sunday but aren't that familiar with the Pacers, what's something to pay attention to to kind of get a sense for how this team is playing? 
Well, there's no question you have to pay attention to Victor Oladipo. He's been a uh, star at 25 that has grown up in his year at Indiana. I mean, a guy that was the number two draft pick overall, played in Orlando, traded to Oklahoma City, and now in year five has been traded a second time. This has been a guy that has brought outstanding leadership and just um, just a, a sense of joy, Clay. The way he lives his life, the way he plays, it's been infectious, and it's it's carried over into the locker room. It's carried over into the fan base, and, and he's just exciting to watch. There were so many people back in the summer that when they uh, listed the 30 teams, the, the teams to watch, and I mean watch the telecast, will you be excited, will you be entertained? They had the Pacers at the bottom of the list, and I think what we've seen with Lance Stevenson and Oladipo and Miles Turner, this is a fun and exciting team to watch, and, and I think that's what folks – have have latched on to just in the first two games of the playoffs the win on Sunday and then the near miss last night in Cleveland yeah there's no doubt about that also you're getting a lot out of Darren Collison um and I think he's a guy that people are somewhat familiar with but what does he mean uh coming out of that point guard spot for the Pacers this year and the pace like you said the defense and also his outside shooting yeah I mean he's led the NBA in three-point shooting he led the NBA in assist to turnover ratio and for folks that don't know, this is the second time he's been with Indiana. He was Chris Paul's backup in New Orleans as a rookie, was traded to the Pacers. Ironically, when this playoff run started for Indiana, they've been in the playoffs now seven of the last eight years. Darren was the point guard in those first two years. Ironically, the second year he shared time with George Hill, who he guarded last night uh, with the Cavaliers. So he's been outstanding, and he's been hungry. He played the last three years in Sacramento. Uh, did not get a taste of the playoffs. He's had an outstanding year. Uh, Kevin Pritchard did a great job, not just in orchestrating the trade, in getting Oladipo and Sabonis, but the free agent signings, picking up Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, adding Corey Joseph, who has been in the playoffs each and every year from Toronto. Um, they did their homework and, and put together, you know, not just a team with Oladipo, but with a team that he's surrounded by veterans and some young talent who have played very well this year. Chris, we appreciate the time. Appreciate you waking up early with us. We'll be watching on Friday and Sunday. Good luck with the call, my man. All right. Thanks, Clay. That's Chris Denary, Pacers play-by-play guy. He will be calling those games on Friday and Sunday. We'll unpack it all next. Final segment, Thursday edition on OutKick, the coverage. I am headed up to New York City, so Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz will have the show tomorrow for you. I'm flying out of here within a couple of hours. Should have a fun weekend up there. We're going to have an OutKick VIP meetup. If you're an OutKick VIP, then come hang out with us in New York City. We're going to have a few beers, watch some games tonight. Jason Martin, like I said, and Jeff Schwartz will have the show tomorrow. I'll be back on Monday. wanted to hit you guys with a great stat uh, that I saw from my guy Jason McIntyre. He does a weekend show here, and then I updated it. A couple of days ago, he was looking at the uh, percentages of wins based on three-point shooting. And he had a couple of cool stats that he was breaking down here that I think make a lot of sense. One, if you just look at the number of three-point attempts that a team takes, you can figure out in a good sense who's going to win in the NBA playoffs. And two, who shoots a better percentage from three. But these stats kind of blew me away. There have been 16 NBA playoff games so far. The team that shoots a better percentage from three is 13-3 and straight up. In other words, you wouldn't need to look at any other stat in the NBA box score other than three-point shooting percentage 
and 13 out of the 16 games, the team that shoots a higher percentage has won the game. That sounds crazy. Here's another one that's even crazier, I think. The team that has merely attempted more threes is 13-2-1 in the NBA playoffs so far. You want to talk about the way the NBA playoff game has changed. That's pretty crazy when you consider there have been 16 games played so far and the team that has merely attempted more three-pointers, not made them, just attempted, is 13-2-1 so far in the playoffs. The team that has made more three-pointers is 13-3. That's a pretty remarkable stat when you think about the way this game has evolved so far in the last several years. And obviously, the teams that shoot the most threes, last night, the Rockets shot 52 three-point shots. 52. And obviously, the Warriors made a living off the three-pointer. That was kind of what they did that revolutionized the game of basketball. So if the Warriors and the Rockets play, good Lord, we're probably going to set a record for most three-point attempts. But I did think that data was really pretty awesome. It's something to pay attention to if you kind of like to look at the box score. A lot of times people just look at the score. You look at the overall numbers for individual players. It's kind of cool to scroll all the way down and just look directly at three-point percentage. You want to know who won the game, the number of three-pointers attempted, and the percentage of those threes that were hit is pretty much going to tell you the overall outcome of that game. Loaded schedule. Uh, Lots of games going on. We got a tied series. Philadelphia going on the road against the Heat. We got uh, Portland, who lost their first two at home, coming back home against New Orleans. I know it'll be wild down in New Orleans as they get ready for that game. And Golden State is on the road at San Antonio. Greg Popovich, obviously awful news for Greg Popovich, his wife of over four decades, uh, passing away yesterday. I would imagine that that will be an incredibly emotional scene in San Antonio for Greg Popovich and for Spurs fans and everyone else who is going to be there in the arena. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen in the uh, in the NHL, we've got Boston uh, at Toronto, Game 4 there as well as Game 4 in the series that looks like it's going better than any other from an entertainment perspective. The Caps trying to get the win against the Blue Jackets. That's a 7.30 Eastern start. So all that, uh, a great night again of big-time sporting action, three NBA to NHL. Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz will be here tomorrow morning to take you through uh, all of that discussion. And I will be back on uh, on Monday. Obviously, we'll have tons to discuss in both the NHL and the NBA. And it will officially be NFL Draft uh, Week that Monday. So, going to be an awesome week. I appreciate all of you guys. Early weekend for me starting now. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Listen tomorrow with Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz. I'll be back on Monday. And whatever you do, If you are a woman, don't allow any other woman to tell you what you could or should not do, just like you will not allow any man to tell you what you to do, what you can and can't do if you are a man. Equality for all, justice for all. I'm Clay Travis, the most fair and impartial, the man who sits on the iron throne of inclusion, the king of tolerance. This has been Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for spending your Thursday morning with us. More show tomorrow. This has been fun on Fox Sports Radio. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.